If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So we're going to bring in Tomas Phillipson, former chairman of the White House Council of Economic Advisors. He's teaching school at the University of Chicago. He's a specialist in healthcare. Tomas, why is this a fraud? I mean, is it really going to lower costs? Or is it going to actually increase drug costs? Well, I mean, there's two opposing effects. Good to be with you, first of all, Larry. There's two opposing effects here. One is the claimed price reductions uh, for current uh, people who buy drugs. The more severe effect is that this is obviously going to reduce uh, investment into this industry in terms of research and development. And so that there's a lot of foregone health that's taking place in the future, this industry is essentially responsible for half of the longevity gain in the last 30 years, which is, you know, the most valuable thing you can have in life is to live longer. And so it's an an enormous value uh, that's being reduced by this kind of uh, measure or regulations. But what the CBO said, Congressional Mm -hmm. Budget Office, is that the Prescription drug price controls will cause prices for new drugs to be more expensive. Now, I thought that the Democrats were going to lower the cost of drugs, but the CBO, which is not exactly a Republican free market supply side ally, they're saying, wait a minute, new drugs will be more costly. Well, I think that the CBO has downplayed the negative effects of these uh, price controls for a very long time. And, I, you know, it's almost like a Berkeley Alumni Association within CBO in some sense. <laughs> and, and we've been countering their analysis with what the science says about what the effect of this bill is. What they're referring to in terms of the price increases is that part of the bill has to do with that companies can't raise prices over time, more than the CPI inflation, the general inflation in the economy, which will tend to have an upward pressure on launch prices at the start of the, when you come on the market at the start of the uh, product cycle, because you know that you can't raise it in the future. There's some of that going on. But on the other hand, if this was raising prices, you wouldn't have the whole biotech and pharma industry screaming at this bill. So I take it with a grain of salt, what they're saying. And I take the guys who work in this industry to understand the bill better, which is that it's going to be a massive, massive hit to uh, innovative returns in this industry, which has been you know, of enormous value because longevity is so valued uh, relative to other things like the GDP. The GDP and inflation effects of the Inflation Reduction Act are just a sideshow in value relative to the cut in longevity that this uh, Mm. pharmaceutical innovation price controls uh, will induce. So they're saying, Thomas, they're saying that if they put this thing through, so Medicare would, you know, quote unquote, negotiate prices. So I just think of it as price controls. But they're saying it's going to save 
hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, I guess, for ordinary folks. Is that true? Well, they're going to lower the prices on they, – they start with 10 drugs, which they say, are, you know, it's a small set of drugs, but it's, it's ranked by spending. So it's the blockbuster drugs that they're stopping. And the blockbuster drug, like mo- in most innovative industries, the winners fund all the losers. So essentially what will happen is that the winners who are the blockbusters that where you make money when you go to market – we're funding about 90% of the failures and going through FDA to start to finish will take a hit. So this is going to affect the whole R&D uh, development process because you're living off these very good successes. I'm sure there's other – like book industry is the same way. You know, you have best-selling books, et cetera, that are funding all the losers. And it's the same with drugs. A lot of drugs go to market. They make up, they sell them on the market to limit their losses, but they're not making up the R&D costs going to the market, the fixed costs going there. So so what I think people don't understand about this bill, and these 10 drugs are going to then be expanded to 20 and 25 in the future. It's just a, it's literally legislating a, a slippery slope in the future. And, and it's, going to count, it's going to capture more and more of the, of the winners in the market which are then not going to be able to fund all their failures mm. getting there. Right. So basically, this is going to cut back on investment. It's going to cut back on um, innovation. It's going to cut back on new life-saving drugs. I mean, that's really the short, yeah. long and short of it. Um, I thought, look, we went through this in the White House. If you, last three, four, five years, particularly, you know, we had reforms. Remember, Scott Gottlieb put a lot of generics on the market. It was very important deregulation. The drug prices, Tomas, have not really gone up. No, exactly. That's another part of this. I mean, they're selling this as a kind of Nixonian price controls uh, where on a market that basically has not risen in real terms. In fact, pharmaceutical spending has contributed negatively to total healthcare spending because the real, real, real spending in, in pharmaceuticals have many times gone down when real spending of, of healthcare spending has gone up. Uh, you're right. In terms of, you know, what we did differently is sort of the difference between using competition as opposed to regulation to try to control prices. And what the Trump administration did through through, through Scott's basically uh, more laxer uh, entry requirements for generics is to basically improve generic entry, which is important because about 90% or more of prescriptions are generic. They're not brand names. So the vast majority of prescriptions that people take are generic. And we basically opened the floodgates on that competition, and that was why the prices came down for the first time in 46 years during Trump. And that's basically pointing towards that a more effective way of basically controlling uh, prices is competition, not regulation. And many, in fact, many of the reasons we have high prices in the pharmaceutical sector in the U.S. is because of stupid government regulations. For example, we pay doctors more the more expensive drug they use. Mm. And tell you, that's, that's like having a demand side that likes higher prices. Mm. And, and, and that's one reason we do that in the outpatient programs where all the cancer drugs are, et cetera, which are physician administrated in what's called Part D of, of Medicare. 
And it's a very perverse system for price competition when the doctors earn more, the more expensive drugs they use. Government regulation will make these prices higher and will make the whole story worse. You know, Scott Gottlieb is a very good FDA commissioner. I brought him into the Oval to talk to Trump because, you know, um, Alex Azar, even the president, were flirting with drug price controls, as you recall. And they didn't, you know, we had simple CPI charts, Thomas, right, that showed uh, prescription, in in general, drug, actually at one point, I think for a year or two, the drug prices actually fell across the board, actually declined. Now they popped up a little bit, so it's about even over the last four or five years. It's just, it's the... It's the highest, newest stuff that has initially high prices, right? But then over time, those prices come down. Yeah. So you have a lot of what's called therapeutic competition, meaning competition from other brands, that is to say other drugs on patents. And then ultimately you have generic competition when the patents run run out, which brings down prices. But in general, I think there's a misperception of what's the important price here, what you what you should be thinking about is what I call the price of health as opposed to the price of health care. So when you have, let's say you have HIV that in the mid-1990s went from a death sentence to, you know, a chronic disease, really, uh, through these innovations. Before those innovations, you couldn't buy a longer life at any price. Mm. So any innovation is essentially a huge price reduction in the price of health that you can ob- obtain right. from being prohibitively expensive down to something. And people don't see that. They just stare at the drug prices. But what's the alternative? Not being able to buy it at any price. Right. <laughs> That's the alternative. Not being around. Thinking. All right. Tomas yeah. Phillips in the University of Chicago, former CEA chair. Thank you, buddy.